Welcome to Red and Yellow, the podcast about all things to do with refereeing at grassroots level, looking at the laws of football, speaking to guests and trying to help you become a better referee with Adam Humphreys and me, Ed Connell. Hello, loyal listeners. It's Adam here and I just wanted to get in early on this episode of Red or Yellow to remind you to please, please, please send in your questions about refereeing or anything you feel like you might need help with in terms of your game. That's why we are here, to help you improve to be a better referee. We really enjoy getting questions from our listeners as voice notes via email or DM or on social media. Being able to help you is why we created this podcast and to offer our insights and to be able to help you by drawing on our experience. Added to that, if you are a very fit listener, then please don't forget to follow us on all the social medias. It's at Red or Yellow Pod. As well as remember to like and subscribe in your podcast feed. Thank you so much for being here. And let's get on with the show. Well, hello. Morning. Well, afternoon, evening for me. How are you? Well, once again, I'm not overly happy about this arrangement of me speaking to you early in the morning and you having a leisurely, was it afternoon, early evening? It's 7pm. It's not leisurely. I've not had dinner and I've been at work for now 13 straight hours. So um, none of this like I've got it easy because it's evening. There's no pint next to me. I'm running on empty (laughs) here just so we can get this done for everybody. I, I'm, I'm feeling terrible if I'm brutally honest. I'm full of cold. It's always the way whenever I'm on holiday, the first few days of our holiday, you're sort of, um, I think the adrenaline sort of stops or slows down and all of a sudden you get overtaken by illness and infection. And um, yeah, I feel pretty lousy actually. Um, I'm sorry. Not helped by having just walked the dog in what looks like sort of freezing fog outside. Um, is that why? Is that why? Is that why your cheeks are so bright red? Because you're still like <laughs> probably blimmin' freezing outside. Um, and uh, the good news is I'm going off to swim in the Caribbean Sea in in 48 hours, so it's not all bad. But well, if that um, doesn't gonna... fix you, I don't know what will. I know, and we should probably um, start by apologising because there's been a bit of a gap since our last podcast. There has. Do you know what? Uh, what surprised me most is we've had people messaging us saying, what's happened to the podcast? I know. When's the next episode? I mean, people thought we'd given up. <laughs> well, I also, um, before wait before we get into what's been going on with us both, I would just like to take this moment, Ed, to give my absolute gratitude and thankfulness for your love in my life on Valentine's Day. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, happy Valentine's Day. I, can well, you I'm believe assuming, this? I'm, <laughs> I'm spending I'm spending my Valentine's night in an office room at the gym with you, as opposed to at home drinking champagne with my Listen, fiance. Uh, your fiance will understand, you know. When it comes to those, <laughs> when it comes to those sorts of choices, she's realistic. But um, yeah, oh, yeah, happy Valentine's Day. It's a bit too Thanks early to for me to register that, to be honest. But uh, yeah, there we go. So, what's been happening with you? Last well, we were meant to record. Um, well, there's been a few occasions where we're meant to record over the last few days, and largely events have been uh, overtaken for us both with busy sort of work lives. But at the weekend, I think you had to cancel because of the conditions you were refereeing in. Was it Sunday? Oh, it's like sort of, yeah. Let's not, yeah, it was. So, um, on Sunday, yeah, I had my first competitive game of the actual season, it was a Kappa Cup Cup. 
Kappa Club Cup, Kappa Cup, Kappa Cup, Cup, Kappa Cup, something or other. <laughs> they want they want to rethink that. That's not going to work. It was the Kappa Cup, something I think. Anyway, it's fun to say if nothing else. Although I haven't got my spit guard on today, so that's probably blown out the speakers. <laughs> that's, that's probably why it's, it's sort of hitting hard in my ears. <laughs> and um, and uh, so yeah, and um, for some reason the game was scheduled for four p.m. And it was 38, 39, close to 40 degrees um, on Sunday. And I had to nice. run the line to the game before that, which kicked off at 2 p.m. Um, so in the interest of health and safety, we delayed kickoff by half hour. So it's 4.30, hoping it would cool down a little bit. But it was crazy. Like you walked out onto the pitch and it was like, it was like there was no humidity. So there was no softness to the heat. It was like being in an oven. It was yeah. it, the only way I can describe it is, and you're probably about to experience this because you're off to the Caribbean Sea. Um, you know, when you like get into a hot, I remember it when I got into Florida, like you get off the airplane and you just step mm. out of the airplane. And it's like, whoa, what am I being hit with? This kind of heat. Um, it was it was like that, but we had to referee and, and perform in it. And yeah, it was crazy hot. And I just, once the game was done, I was so, I just, like just my whole system had been zapped. Like it caused headaches. It caused nauseousness, nausea, nausea. Um, I was just very not in a good place to record and I'd still had to eat and do some other bits and bobs and that. And so I, sadly I had to, to call an audible on the podcast. I do apologize. Well, we're, we're kind of slightly other end of things. It's not freezing here at the moment. I mean, it's, it's actually bizarrely yesterday. The fog this morning is largely, because it's super sunny yesterday, it's going to be super sunny today. We've got actually unseasonally high temperatures. I think it's like 14 degrees today. But the pitches, wow. I was out walking on some pitches yesterday, and um, they're sort of, they're, they've had a lot of water, and they're sort of just at the limit at the moment. I think any any more rain, I can see lots of problems with um, you know matches being called off. And I think that was one thing that somebody messaged in about as well in the, in the last couple of weeks, about sort of how do you deal with, you know, the state of pitches and whether you call matches off because I think one of the things that happened since we last recorded was the the women's Premier League game that oh, yeah. Chelsea were playing that got they started playing and then called it off I think after about five or six minutes because the pitch was frozen mm. um, and I mean it's obviously raised a whole load of things about the state of the women's game um, in general but also I mean I don't know quite how that game started I mean it sounds like there's an awful lot of pressure put on on everybody to get that game going because I think it's sort of televised and that sort of stuff. But yeah, no one undersaw heating at um at Chelsea's women's grounds, King's Meadow. And they have a tent uh where they sort of try and heat the pitch, but obviously just didn't do the job. But that's kind of the problems here. It's a slightly opposite end of things than than um sort of high 30 degree heat. But uh, mm. there we go. Um and yeah. how was the match you did? I was, yeah, it was fine. It was a 2-0 victory to the away team. And, um, yeah, it, it, like, it it, it was it was a shame, really. Um, because no one, like, we all walked off and we were just all a bit, oh. Yeah. You know, like, no one, I didn't feel like I did a particularly brilliant job. Like, it was fine. Like, I had no major issues and match control was fine. and But it just wasn't, it was just too hot to really play football. And is it like that down the whole of the East Coast? Because the, the, the Gay World Cup takes place in Sydney in about we, 10 days' should time. We, should we rephrase that? Isn't it the LGBTQ plus World Cup? Well, you know, I've, I've always called it the Gay World Cup. LGBTQ plus World Cup is taking place in Sydney. Is it? Oh, I never got yeah. asked to go and referee it. Is Ryan coming? Well, 
No, in fact, only only one of the referees, you know, David Daly's coming over. Oh, he's there, in fact. I've seen oh. he's in Sydney already. Oh, okay. Um, no, originally that had been kind of my plan to come over um, mm. and referee, and that would have been nice if you could have come down and refereed there. But um, it's kind of clashed with another sort of commitment of mine. So, um, yeah, so not there, unfortunately. But they were struggling hot. in the heat. Yeah. I mean, I remember Rome being very hot when we did the European Games. And, yeah, that um, was. That was... And it's like, you know, not only am I like worried about the heat and my system overall, but I'm also worried about getting just killer sunburn. So I'm putting on sun cream all the time, nonstop. Yeah. Um, and then that dries your mouth out and just the whole situation was and the brightness as well. Like, you know, I'd run the line beforehand and then I had to go and do the game. Um, and yeah, just being out in the sun and being in the brightness all day that long, like it was, it was just tough. So I was in no That's place. That's a good calorie, though. I imagine. Burnt some good calories on, on Sunday. Uh, we don't exercise to burn calories, Ed. We exercise to uh, get stronger. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Did you burn lots of calories on Sunday? <laughs> no, we exercise to get stronger. <laughs> I got a little bit fitter because I put in some performance and that's what I well wanted. Done. Um, well done. And Very so, thank you. I'm glad. So, yeah, so that's that was the situation there. Um, but, yeah, the game was fine. Everything was fine. Three cautions, and that was it, really. Nothing really else to, to write home about. Um, cool. Yeah. And then before that, we was going to record, and it was somebody's birthday. It was. It was my birthday weekend, yeah. Oh, I was so talking, about, I was talking about my birthday. Oh, when was your birthday? <laughs> oh, Jake, when was my birthday? How rude. <laughs> well, I, thought, I thought you'd say I'd missed it. It was your birthday, wasn't it? You have missed it. Yeah, it, it was. was. And, when was your and, birthday? 26th of Jan. 28th of Jan. So, right. and um, yeah, this year I sort of celebrated it a few different ways. So nice. I had a busy birthday weekend, so that kind of put paid to that. So yeah, it's been it's been a while. So sorry about that for those people who rely upon us for their sort of weekly commute, um, you know, to to kill the time. Sorry being away. And we will be away again because I'm going to be obviously away now for another 10 days. So there'll be oh, another gap. For goodness so, sake, Edward. Stop jet setting. That. And then it was, it was my birthday the week after that. So that's why we didn't record then too. Yeah. Um, exactly. Did you have a nice birthday? I did. It was good. Thank you very That's much. Good. Yeah. How lovely. So, yeah. So, so, oh, go on. After you. I was going to say, do you want to talk about um, news, first of all? Or, Shall or, we? Yeah. Well, I think the first piece of news I was going to talk about, I mean, we were going to talk about, we also mentioned the sort of the uh, Women's Premier League situation, and, and that gives rise to questions about how you deal with pitch inspections, um, because there's been a lot of stuff on social media, especially around that period of time when the pitches were frozen, we got lots of, there were lots of things on referee forums about, you know, how do you deal with pitch inspections? Maybe come back to that in a second. But no, the, I suppose for me, the most um, pressing bit of news is the the failures of VAR in the Premier League over the course of this weekend. Um, I mean, is, this I the Brent, is this the Brentford goal against Arsenal? Yeah, the Brentford goal was one of them, um, but the, that's not the only one. I think they, I think the uh, Professional Referees Association and Howard Webb, who sort of has been their representative, has come out and mm-hmm. said, you know, apologised and said, you know, that wasn't the only um, mistake they made this weekend. There was another wrong offside decision in another game as well. So that's two in a weekend. Was that um, due, due to VAR? Yeah, I think it was another case again of, I mean, the, for the, so the Brentford-Arsenal goal, the, the bizarre explanation seems to have been given is that they were focusing on whether there was, I think, a, a foul in the build-up to the goal. So when it came to actually looking at the goal itself, they didn't actually draw the lines on the pit, on the, on the screen, which... I find it somewhat staggering because I mean, when you're looking at a goal and you're 
in charge of VAR, you've really only got two roles, haven't you? One is, is there anything in the build-up? And two, is it offside? Um, and to forget to do one of those aspects. And what's, I suppose, even more bizarre about the whole thing was, was that um, when you looked at the, the sort of freeze frame, it was quite obvious. You know, sometimes you look at these things, you can't tell if someone's offside, but you do need the lines to kind of help mm. you. But um, yeah, it was it was it was quite surprising. It, you know, the, the Brentford players clearly offside, but um, it it wasn't given. And um, obviously, there's been quite a lot of uproar about that because it costs Arsenal a couple of points and means that Man City get close to them at the top of the table, so it's pretty significant. Um, and yeah, and, and the referee association has just sort of come out and apologised and said, yeah, no, it's. Um, it's a user error, and we'll try and do our best to remedy it, which is obviously not ideal. And there was, a, as I said, there was a similar situation in other games wait, as well. Wait, but, wait, um, wait! Just to just to cut in on that, right? So now I'm all for understanding, like it's affected Arsenal. It meant Man City obviously have closed in on them. But all these kinds of decisions, like people pummeling referees over the course of a season for one single decision or whatever. If we look at literally the last two podcasts, we've got this decision now that's gone in favour of um, Man City because it's made Arsenal drop points. And then the last podcast, we were talking about a decision that went against Man City that allowed Man United to hold them. Like, over the course of a season, all these things come out in the wash. No, I think the problem that people have is, I think everybody expects that there's going to be you're going to get the the, uh, the the luck on some occasions and not be lucky on other occasions. But I think people, are, when they say that, are more about whether or not a referee who's making a decision has maybe got things wrong when you've sort of analysed it again after the game, right? Because things that happen during the course of the game, you know, all happen very, very quickly. And it's all about, you know, the person's assessment of the situation. But with VAR, the, the problem is VAR is brought in to eliminate all those problems, you know? So it's not really luck. It's just error. And but so that, not, I think that's. But again, VAR is run by a human. Yeah, no, it is, but you're using technology. I mean, it's it's a it's obviously technology that's used by human beings, but the technology is there to sort of get rid of these errors and they, they, but, they've messed up. But Ed, you use technology when you're using your F6 app and it doesn't make your heat map look any better, does it? <laughs> my, heat, my heat map. <laughs> Was spectacular on the last occasion, um, and had it not been, I mean, I think you were quite looking, hoping that it was going to be a disaster. And it was all going <laughs> to be the centre circle. Blue. I was just expecting the whole and, thing to be blue. And I think you were secretly disappointed when I sent it to you. It actually I looked was. like it'd be all over the pitch. Was. I actually was. <laughs> I was mightily impressed, my friend. Oh, um, speaking of fitness, uh, I am right. I've had a few people ask me about the blog. Um, that I promised that I would write, and it is in hand. I'm getting there with it. But if you want a little preview, I have done a video on YouTube that's all about hip mobility for referees. And, uh, you know, we've spoken about your creaky hips quite a few times on this podcast. And um, so you might, you know, get on all fours and start doing those exercises. <laughs> Rocky, I don't, do, I don't know what YouTube channel you were directing me to then. In a um, fitness the, setting, Edward. The, fitness I went setting. I went looking for it, and you know what I found? No, I'm not um, sure. I want to know what you found after your reaction. <laughs> are you a bit worried about what happened? Like, input your name into Google, what came up? Oh, no, golly. what came up 
was you doing bloody exercises in your your parents' front room with your parents? Oh yeah, like, yeah. The exercises for the over sixties. Yeah, that's an awesome one. My parents are awesome. Uh, yeah, that's funny. Um, no, but yeah. So there's hip mobility exercises, which are really important for agility and change of direction and speed and everything like that. So obviously, making content specifically for a blog takes time. And I don't have much spare time at the minute because I'm buying a house and things. So, um, but I'm trying to get there for you all. Just a quick update on that. Um, that's a bit of a detraction from news. So, what about white cards? Yeah, I mean, do you, want to, do you want to explain how that sort of came about and the rationale behind it? Was it Belgium, Netherlands, Portugal? I, I, I don't remember I which it country it was. Portugal, but, somewhere uh, in Europe. Um, <laughs> not like it's a small place. Um, somewhere in Europe. The first ever white card was used to promote. Portugal. Was it Portugal? To yeah. promote um, good sporting behavior from clubs and players, wasn't it? So yeah. I don't know what the full circumstances, why it was given. But if we take, for instance, I think I saw in Scotland, Rangers let Partick Thistle or someone score, walk a ball into the net. The whole team would have got a white card in that situation to promote more positive sportsmen like football. Um, well, I mean, what I, 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 I'm not a big fan of this. I'll be brutally honest. But, I, mean, <laughs> I wonder why, Edward. I mean, the, the first example of it, um, which was obviously the Portugal league. It was a Benfica game, I think it was yeah. being used in, and the referee used the uh, white card to reward the medical staff from both sides who had rushed on, rushed to the stands to help a, 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 um, a fan had fallen ill. Now, listen, obviously, that's great. We, that's obviously what we expect to see. But, I mean, honestly, a referee's cards are not a sort of pat on the back for being a decent human being for those who aren't even on the field of play. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I appreciate um, that. But, like, in a, in a football <laughs> setting... Do you think it would have value? No. Why not? I think it's absurd. Why? I think it's absurd. Because, um, listen, you just don't get many episodes of good behaviour on a football pitch, right? I, and your job, I could and your not, job as I a referee... I disagree more. And your job as referee is to, you know, marshal the game, apply the laws, right? It's not about sort of patting people on the back and saying, you know, well done for being a decent person. I it mean, is. I think, honestly, I think it is ludicrous. You know it's what? Complete you know what? I think, mate, look, I think maybe a white card might be a step too far, especially for competitive professionals in that setting. I appreciate that. Okay. I'm willing to concede that, I think. However, when I'm refereeing, I'm always thanking players for good behavior. Always. Yeah, but like, you know, like two people, like if someone just rides a tough challenge or doesn't get up and react badly to a bad one or whatever, you know, like I'll always thank them. I'll always go, look, thanks for just letting me control that. Letting me deal with it. Not reacting, not causing bigger problems. I really appreciate it. Like the other day, like it was a baking hot day and I had to make the captain come over to talk to one of his players with me. And um, I'm like, I just thanked him because I'm like, that spends energy. And that's but not that, But that that's what you expect from from you know, sporting people, people playing a sport are meant to, you know, approach it in a sporting way. It's not about rewarding people for doing what should be. But there's no, there's no real reward, is there? I think, I don't think, I don't think they all got ten pounds for receiving a white card. Like, there's no actual reward. It's just the referee acknowledging to the wider stadium that the player has done. I, I know, but a just, sporting you know, action because it is. I think, I think it is more, and also, also like. 
the view of a referee is always very negative. Like you think all we ever do is give free kicks. All we ever do is tell players off. And all we ever do is give out negative cards. Why can't we yeah. have something positive to do? Because it's a nonsense when <laughs> the physios are rushing to the stands to perform CPR on somebody. The referee's going, oh, look, oh, right, okay, look, look, not, look, look, not the yellow, example. not, not the red. Example. Here's the white card. Well done for being a decent human being. I mean, what are we doing, honestly? No, I that, that's a bad is a bad example. It was clearly you're not wrong. And, and I bet you, I bet you any money, he was under a lot of pressure from the Portuguese FA to be like, we really need you to use these. I um, also bet you a lot of money this so is going nowhere. He it's found a, the most is, silly situation. This oh, started in Portugal. No, and it's ending in Portugal. You're probably right, but I think it brings oh, up the definitely point. Right. I think it brings up the point of working well with players in terms of man management. And when there is good behavior on display, thanking them for it, like using can, that to your can advantage. Can you imagine Jack Grealish sort of steps away from a drop ball scenario because you ask him nicely and you brandish him the white card. Everyone's going to go, ooh, ooh <laughs> look what you, you've done well. I mean, it's just so ridiculous. Oh, you've had your coffee this morning, haven't you? You're I've, had one. Dub- I've had my double espresso, you're quite right. <laughs> Um, I just no, think, look, anyway. I appreciate that. But like as grassroots referees, that's what I'm trying to bring it back to. You know, you're not there to be a school teacher or a policeman. And like you work in um, like that kind of world. And policemen always say, um, like the, the key to being a policeman is you're not a policeman. I, I appreciate <laughs> I'm, that. No, I'm just waiting to hear where your, where your policeman stories are coming from. Oh, okay, great. Um, is like, being a policeman isn't about laying down the law all the time. It's actually about man management. It's about bringing people on side. It's about governing people in a soft, calm, normal, sensible way. That's what good policing is. We hear this all the time from politicians and stuff. And I know, I know policemen referees who use a lot of what they learn as policemen into refereeing, and it's really That's helped because them because of their man management skills. Being a referee is like being on a town centre on a Saturday night. Yes. So, it, of course, the skills it, are applicable. It very much can um, be. But the skill, the soft skills they use like that to bring people on side, to get people to do what they need them to do, even if it's difficult in some way, is a really important learning curve. We, we shouldn't be pat, patting people on the back for behaviour that should be the bare minimum that we should expect from sporting individuals. I'm yes, sorry, but, I'm, but when the bare minimum doesn't exist, you have to encourage it somehow. And so I think you, as a fair argument to say the bare minimum is void on the football pitch in the majority of situations at the moment. Well, you, you've probably been a fan of what they introduced in Italy. Oh, God. Wait, do I need to bring up the Ed's Fun Facts jingles here? No, but it's like in Italy, because you're, you're also a, a fan now of the coloured card scenario. I never said that! Shush. And so in Italy, in 2018, in their Serie B league, so not their top flight, their second top flight league, they decided to introduce a green card, Right. Do you know what a green card was used for? Did it help people get into America? <laughs> no, it was. I mean, uh, uh, when does it all end? Um, it was given for fouls that were considered to be between a yellow and a red. An orange. Right? So, so if you, it, no, it was a green, yeah. so, which doesn't make any sense either. But anyway, so then they go, and that was, you were to leave the field immediately, but you could be substituted um, if they had any substitutions left. So basically what it's saying is you probably ought to be off the pitch, but I'm not, it's, I'm, I'm not quite sure. So I'll give you a green card, which 
is a nonsense anyway, because if you think about how the yellows and red cards came up, it was from that referee who was driving down the road, looked at the traffic lights and thought, oh, that's a good idea. Green is good. Right. Amber's a warning. Red is a no. Yeah. And um, yeah, it'll come as no surprise to you that a bit like the Portuguese white card um, <laughs> experiment, it didn't last very long. And uh, yeah, that was it. And the first ever player um, to receive the first ever green card. So this is what I don't really understand. This is the other bizarre thing as well. So the green card was introduced basically for those fouls, but the first time it was used, the referee gave it to a goal uh, to a player who said, oh, no, referee, it shouldn't be a corner. It should be a goal kick because it came off of me. They gave so, it for dissent. Gave it, but it wasn't yeah, no, even gave it, no, gave, they gave it as, like a white card for congratulating him on sporting can play. So it didn't get used properly. I mean, this is the problem when you start introducing multiple cards into referees' pockets. It's a yellow and it's a red card. What I would say about the green card situation is if you ever do a game where you've got constant roll-on, roll-off subs, that can be a really useful situation. Like, almost if a player's getting a bit out of hand, if you've had enough of him, if it was one tackle too many, but he's never quite crossed the line into being sent off or you want to try and protect him, tell the benches, you got to bring him off. Like, he's on the highway to issues. Bring him off, let it go, and all will be good. And I've done that from time to time, and it works really well. Because everyone appreciates it. The player appreciates it. The club appreciates it. Your position, not so much, but they get over it. Well, anyway, there we go. Um, that's that's right. cards. That's um, that. What else has possibly been happening in you since we last spoke? Uh, you know, um, well, oh, my fitness test. I, not, so I thought we spoke about your fitness test. I think we spoke about it, but I don't think we spoke about it on here. Um... And I promised I would give a shout out. But I can't remember where I wrote the guy's name down. Oh, here we go. I've got it. I've got it. I found it. Right. So I was at my fitness test. All yeah. right. And um, so if you're listening, hello to Bill Nguyen. Um, we was at the fitness test and this kind of little, not little, you know, nice guy, but everyone's little to me because I'm six foot four. Uh, Did he, he come up of, and ask you, are you wearing dark spoil shorts? the, the story, Ed. Shut up. Actually, actually, yes, he, he kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> so, screw you, Edward. Um, sorry. If he did, that would make me so happy. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy this story then. <laughs> so, he, he came up to me and he was like, are you Adam Humphreys? I was like, yeah. He was like, you do the podcast? I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, I listen to that. Thanks so much. I listen to it all the time. And, and he, he was very thankful and everything else. It's really nice. I was like, it was nice to be recognized. Like, I was like, yeah, this is the way it goes. And talk about the Lord giveth with one hand and taketh away with the other. He then looked at me, went, have you taken your emodium today? <laughs> to which I just walked away and put my middle finger up him and went, screw you. <laughs> well, to be fair, it's a very practical observation. He's a very obviously sensible referee. To I've asked that question. I um, I, don't, I don't have his number, and I've not been able to find him since. So I don't know if he passed his fitness test that day because you lose track. You, you all do it so much, but um, yeah. So that was a fun, fun little situation. It was just nice, and it was nice to hear that someone again is enjoying the podcast and listening to it and getting value from it, which is always nice. And also yeah, feeling good. like he can take the Mickey out of me, like everyone else can. So you're getting an army of people against me, Ed. So thanks for that. Um, for, but well, yeah, Adam, test. I mean, let's be honest. You, you 
shared that story voluntarily. No one asked you for it. Well, um, vulnerability is it. important. Humanity is important. Um, so good. that's why I shared it. Uh, so yeah, I passed my fitness test. I've had a few people ask me that too, which was good. I think I got 18. I think, yeah, I got 18, seven, I think. And you have to get, I had to get 18, five to, to stay at the level I'm at. It was tough though. It was really tough. It was so humid that day. That sounds like it's quite close. Uh, well, nah, not really. Like it's pretty normal to get. I mean, a few people went a lot higher than that, obviously. Um, I was clinging on for dear life towards the end, but a, a pass is a pass. Um, Good. And is that valid for the whole season now then? Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, till next uh, January. Um, cool. And I'll be close to another year older, unfortunately. But yeah, all the prep helped. I got through it. The one thing I wasn't ready for was just that humidity. And it did zap me. I reckon it took a few sprints off of me, but it doesn't matter. I got there. It was the same for everybody. And um, yeah, got round and got done, which is always good. Cool. Um, yeah. Any other news since we last spoke? Sure. We've got a few questions we could get through. Oh, what about those two incidents I had in my preseason game? Do you remember I messaged you, you about those? So I had a guy handball it on the line. Oh, and yeah. I had an advantage for dog sick. Oh, um, those are those are good. Do you want to um, look at both of them? Talk about both of them? Yeah, shall we? Uh, yeah. I kind of don't because I cocked one. I didn't cock one up. I actually have these. Are, really these well, are the, the nightmare situation. They are. These are two really bad ones, right? So I, mean, I have to. I have to remind myself of dogs. Every time I go and referee, literally every time I go and referee, I have to remind myself of it. And it's one of the topics that comes up most when you sort of follow the referee forums, like you, you and I do on Facebook. It's one of those questions which comes up very, very frequently, and that's because it's not entirely straightforward. But yeah, go on. You, you explain what the situation was. Well, firstly, I'd like to say this is why preseason is important for players and referees because you can just iron out those little moments in your life that you might need to know in a more competitive game. So the first one we had, like kind of like a, it was a corner or free kick or lots of players in the box. I didn't have a clear line of sight. Um, and the ball's gone towards the goal line. Uh, where the goal is. So a goal would have been scored. Um, and my assistant flags for something of which I'm not sure what. Yeah. Um, and then, so I kind of stopped play, I think, and, and went over to him and spoke to him. And he was flagging for, he said there was a handball on the goal line. He said one of the players, he kind of stopped the ball with his hand as it was crossing the line. As he was kind of trying to just scramble to keep the ball away, I said, did first question I asked him was, did it make his body bigger? And he was like, definitely. And I was like, okay. And then the second question I asked him was, um, what, what's the answer? Or like, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> so I then called the player over because I didn't see it. I didn't see it. So I was like, you definitely saw it. And, and no, the second question I asked him, that's right. The second question I asked him was, um, would a goal had it been scored, had it have not hit his hand? And he said, definitely. So I went, okay. So I called in the captain for the defending team. And I said, look, the ball's hit his hand on the goal line. It's made his body bigger and it's therefore stopped the goal. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to award the goal and give the, I would have given the player a caution, but I didn't. So I said, I'm going to award the goal and we'll carry on from there. Because even that was a send off and a penalty, right? So, Correct. right. So in law, in law, everyone listening, in law, the result here is 
handball on the goal line. It's a send off yeah. and a penalty. Um, yeah. However, I was in a preseason game. In preseason, everyone wants to um, just they make the game, to make the game, game of 11 yeah. v 11. Yeah. 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 They don't want to 11 v 10 in a preseason. Everyone pretty much agreed that it would be better to keep him on the pitch, award the goal, play from there. Turns out the team that scored that goal went on to win like 8-0. It wasn't a big deal or anything like that. Right. You know? Obviously, yeah. it's not an ideal situation. Although I only learned since then that actually in law, it is that. So at the time, I thought, no, this is what you should do. Like, Because it seems on, it seems really unfair to me that they get the send-off, but then like most, I think most teams would prefer the goal in that situation. Rather than the centre, uh, I'm sure. I'm, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they would. But the but the bottom line is, it hasn't crossed the goal line, so it's not a goal. So you can't start awarding goals for situations where it looks like it's going to be a goal. So that, that that's the explanation. Yeah, um, that makes yeah. I, and I, I I don't see it from that point of view because everyone's like it was definitely a goal. Yeah. You know, and I'm like he's pulled it out. Yeah, mm. but not, you know, it's not our job to sort of You can't make stuff up. Yeah, no, you're exactly. right. You're completely right. But in the context of the game, I think it was the right decision. Because yeah. obviously I have, as we keep coming back to, I have sole right to use the laws as and how I want as a referee. And um, and so that didn't cause any dramas, but that's what I did. Um, but it's a confusing one because like empathy for the game, because everyone wanted the goal. And then this happened, didn't it? Did you see this? Um, was it in the championship? I think. Guy scores a goal. It might have been at Port Vale. So Guy heads the ball towards goal, yeah. defender claws it out of his hand, stops the ball going in, then goes to another attacker, attacker puts the ball in the net, and somewhere on that timeline, the referee stopped play for the handball send-off penalty, and then the team that scored the goal missed the resulting penalty. Yeah, well, that's, that's you know, that happens, you know. But the issue with it is, is if the referee had just played the advantage... Port, whoever it was, Port Vale, whoever it was, would have scored the goal. So, yeah. if he hadn't have blown his whistle to send him off, the goal would have stood. And then what do you do? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the bottom line is you just got to, you know, you just got to stick to the, the law. I know, these situations. I know. So and he had to stop play to give the red card, which makes sense. I yeah. mean, you could argue there should have been an advantage played there, but an advantage on such an obvious red card, you can't play advantage on a red card. I suppose, no. well, that comes on to our next question, doesn't it? Is that a dog zone? Is, is pulling the ball out on the goal line with your hand, is that yeah. denying an obvious goal scoring opportunity? Yes. So then you could have played advantage off it. Um, what, you mean let it play out and then go back and penalise so they don't score? Yeah, but then if you do that, you can only penalise with... Can't give the red, can you? You can only give a yellow. And that was the second situation in the same game that I had. Yeah. I played, I played advantage off a of Dogzo. He went on to score. What do you do? I gave the yellow. Because you can't send him off if the goal was scored. Yeah. Well, that also kind of makes sense as well, doesn't it? I have no idea. I mean, it is. It's honestly, as I say, it's that one area where you can't. I can't have to remind myself of it because it's what it's that horror story of, of you know what do you do when the last man goes in for the tackle? Um, you've got to be able to interpret whether it's a legitimate attempt to get the ball, whether it's not. I mean, it's 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 not straightforward, and of course, that's it's 
those are the big things. I mean, getting a sort of missing a slight foul somewhere in the middle of the pitch yeah. or, you know, a handball somewhere on the pitch. No one really cares about it. It's forgotten 30 seconds later. But you get that wrong and everybody remembers yep. it. You know. it's, it's not um, easy, is it? It's not easy at no, all. it's not at all. You're quite it's right. not. Um... Oh, and there's this other thing. A wrong player was sent off at Bolton, apparently. Did you see that? I didn't see that. I saw you message me about it, but I didn't. I didn't see that. I mean, the, the, I mean, it does happen still occasionally, bizarrely. Um, especially, I mean, not so much at obviously at grassroots level. I mean, that can happen, um, but especially when you're doing it a match by yourself and there's a sort of melee or whatever. And mm. you know, I think sometimes you get it wrong, but not when you're doing matches at sort of top level where you've got proper assistance as well. It's a fourth like as well, a fourth happens. official. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I did, I did, I did to the circumstances of it, but I mean, the fact that it happened is not an enormous surprise because you know we see it happen even in the top flight games where referees have to correct themselves because they've dished out the card to the wrong person. Mm. But um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Should we uh, should we do a couple of questions and then call it a night for everybody? Yeah, um, I was just going to remind people um, in case anybody's forgotten about the discount codes we've got for our referee suppliers i messaged um, joey he said we've had a few sales well not us no, we're really, not selling really anything good. but that's lovely oh 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 sorry i've just thought of something i guess what i got today well is this related to the picture you sent me on whatsapp it is of, of some flags Wait, they're not just flags do you remember like episode three or four i put out an appeal when you I wanted, your shopping list. I wanted touchline flags. I wanted yeah. a set. And Ant Canavan, who runs the referee forum, uh, rival podcast, so don't go listen to it, but he's a lovely guy. He had a couple for sale, but they sold really quickly. So I messaged him. I was like, have you got any more? And he was like, yeah, I've just not put them up yet. I'm like, don't put them up. I'm buying them. How much? And they've taken about six weeks to get to me. That's not his fault. That's the Royal Mail's fault. Um, and uh, yeah. And so I now have my touchline flags back with spare flags. Well, I'm very, very excited for it. I'm you. so happy. I'm so happy. Like, I refuse to buy them. I refuse to buy assistance flags here because I couldn't get touchlines. And now I have them. Uh, anyway, it's going to make assisting that, that, And that's a good opportunity to remind people that uh, you can get discount from, in the UK, uh, the refereestore.co.uk. Uh, if you use the discount code red or yellow 10 at checkout, you'll get 10% off your shopping, which is really, really cool. And in Australia, Adam, it's, it's processsports.com. Processsports.com. My friend Joey runs that. And uh, he said to me, we've had a couple of sales already, which is awesome. And yeah, the uh, the code is the same, red or yellow 10 for 10% off at checkout. Perfect. So that's that. So um, on to the post bag. So oh, yes. which Sorry. question did you want to start with today? Uh, we had a good one. That was from Graham Wood. Hey, Graham. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Like always. What happens if a player doesn't leave the pitch for a sin bin? Well, I mean, I, I think this is equally applicable to a player not leaving the pitch for a red card. Um, a red carded player not leaving the touchline. I mean, I think it's the same um, for all of them. But ultimately, um, you are in control of the game. The game only proceeds when you allow it to. And it doesn't proceed until people have complied with your um, decision-making. And in that scenario, you've got a player on the pitch. Um, 
they're not complying. I think it's a staged thing. Obviously, you don't suddenly decide to, you know, walk off the pitch, pick up your bag, and say the game's off. Um, that'll be a little bit drastic. But you, you first will have to explain to the player they need to leave the pitch. The game's not going to continue until they do. Um, you're at that point going to be getting some grief from other players saying, "Get him off the pitch. Why? Let's get on with it." Blah blah. You're then. I think you need to explain to his captain, and almost certainly his uh, manager that. You know, he's been simbined until he leaves the pitch. Um, the game's not continuing. You're not changing your decision. So there's no point in everybody hanging around you in the hope you're going to go, oh, actually, I'll take it all back, you know. And then it's it's sort of it's about sort of increasing the sort of steps, really. I think you've then got to give the warning about what the consequences will be if the person doesn't comply. And the ultimate sanction is the person doesn't comply, you are going to suspend the game and that's it. And it'll be for the league to sort out. And I think you give that warning. You give them an opportunity to comply. You make sure their captain and their manager knows you've issued that warning. And um, I think you're perfectly within your rights then. If the player refuses to leave the pitch, in all those scenarios I've talked about, um, your ultimate sanction is, well, that's it. I'm afraid the game is now called off. Um, that's my view. What about What are your thoughts? Uh, it's not easy, is it? It's not easy at all. I mean, obviously, the ultimate stop to that is an abandonment, um, which again, you kind of want to avoid at all costs, right? So yeah. it's not it's not easy. What I would say is, from a sin bin, you have a lot of upgrades available to you, so that's an advantage. So you can obviously just be like, well, if you're not going to go, I'll just issue a red card, um, because you're I don't know what do you issue the red card for there. Though? It's not violent conduct, well, is it? At that well, point, no. at that point, you could probably drag him into getting some foul and abusive language if you wanted, couldn't you? Um, well, I mean, I think you, I think you are entitled. I mean, you're quite right to say that there are steps because, yeah, I mean, you make that's a very good point. With a sin bin, you're giving a person the opportunity to leave the pitch without getting yellow carded, right? Basically, yeah. If they refuse to leave the pitch in a sin bin situation. Uh, then you could just I think give a yellow card. You could give a yellow card. The problem about all these things is, is that it undermines got a player's, your authority. Well, not only that, but if you've got a player who's not leaving the pitch in a situation where there's not really huge consequences for them, apart from being off the pitch for a short period of time, escalating it is not going to get compliance. I mean, the yellow card is not going to suddenly make him say, oh, okay, I wasn't going to walk off voluntarily for a sin bin, but I will do for a yellow card. I mean, I don't think, you know, that's going to make a difference. But but it is the next natural step if you're in a Simbin scenario. Um, and then, of I, course, if they do then refuse off the yellow, you can issue another yellow and a red. Yeah, I mean, I think actually in that situation, I probably wouldn't go to the yellow card. I'd, I mean, look, I, I'm not very experienced with Simbins. I, I kind of don't use them. One, because the level I do, it's you don't sort of need to. But two, I just don't like them i just don't think they they are useful i think if i'm if personally my own expectation of myself is that if i'm having to rely on sim bins for a bit of swearing or whatever then i could probably get on top of that in a much better way for the quality of the game um like it, it's a personal thing and i there are leagues where i should use them and i don't sometimes and luckily it's never caused me problems um but I think what I do in that situation is if he didn't go off for 10 minutes, um, like I think it's useful for children and stuff. I think that's probably a good 
place to learn it because you never want to send kids off to you. Um, I, but anyway, I, I, I really wait, like I'm going, them. Da- I'm going down a rabbit hole. Yeah, like I and I know many referees who do. I think it's just they came in when I was when I was retired, and yeah, now I, I, I just feel difference. a bit awkward using them because I've got no experience using them. So I much prefer to use what I am experienced in because I know I'll get that right, and I don't want to cock stuff up. Um, but I should, yeah. So there's that. Um, I wouldn't get. I wouldn't go to the yellow card if a guy was not willing to leave for a sim bin. The issue you have here is your authority is completely undermined and it's undermined in a very humiliating way. So you need to get back on top of that. So that player needs to be removed regardless. So if you just give him a yellow card, he won't be removed. Yeah, And if he's not willing to be removed, like if he remains on the pitch, then you have no authority left. So it is like you said, captain in, say to the captain, this game is not going ahead unless... This guy leaves the pitch and he can either leave the pitch willingly under the sin bin or I will, or you have to make him leave the pitch or it has to be an abandonment and the game will not continue if he doesn't leave the pitch. By this point, if the player is of the type who's not willing to leave for a sin bin, chances are he's probably used offensive, insulting or abusive language and or actions, right? And you could even argue not leaving the field of play when you've asked him to for Simbin is an offensive action. Oh, uh, uh, definitely. You, you yeah. can you can show him a red card. Um, and therefore, you, you've got no choice but to sh- get rid of him. The issue you have with all of these escalations is once your authority has been undermined in that sense, it's going to be so much harder to get it back. Maybe only with that player, but sometimes with other players on the pitch who are still on the pitch, and you could end up with carnage, which is why if it goes on for too long and if it's a big issue, a big deal, big problems... I think you do just have to abandon the game. Um, but what's really interesting when you read contextual, the referee forums, there's mm. there's the, these sort of questions come up a lot. You know, this happened and he wouldn't leave, or you know, whatever. And um, it's really interesting. The the younger refs are, are sort of when they comment are sort of desperate to sort of not press the nuclear button. Okay, mm. but the the senior experienced refs are much happier to say. No, if they're if they're not complying, right? You can't keep going. You 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 another. That's it. I mean, that's your power. That's what you do. And and I kind of agree with that. I mean, I, I agree. You obviously got to try. You don't want it to. No one wants that to happen. I mean, having to sort of annul a game or walk off a game, whatever, abandon it is not is is not the scenario anybody wants. But I don't think people should be afraid. If you if you've used the 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 tools available to you, those haven't worked. Um, you've, I don't think you, in some situations, I don't think you've got any option if you want to maintain your authority other than to use the law to the full extent and, and call the game off. Yeah, you have to also ask yourself, like, this contretemps that's happened on this player, how's the next hour of my life going to look if he wins this battle or yeah. if I bend a little bit or if I compromise? Oh, there's, there's no way you can and, compromise. And, and, not only that, and not only that, also, like, how will it affect player safety? How will it affect my safety? How will it affect the whole control of the game? And and so it's all these things you're having to judge in those moments. Um, you're completely right. No one wants to abandon. But again, it's it's out of your hands. If if they're willing to push you that far, it's their fault. Um, yeah, there can, there can be no room for compromise because as soon as mm. you compromise, that I'm afraid that is the end of your authority. Mm. Um, 
But um, yeah, no, I, I, as I say, I think it's it's difficult, but um, and I think you just got to work out the steps through it, and you got to keep calm. You know, a lot of these situations, Absolutely. it's about just maintaining your calm um because that'll help you think better but yeah i think that, that's the best you can do that sort of situation so i hope yeah. that's answered his query uh which one do you want to do it next adam uh brad um bradley i think it was bradley lister who um posts the podcast that i did a little interview on um a few weeks back that i remember talking about um yeah he asked if early in the game you lose control oh and hello by the way if you're listening um if early in the game you lose control how do you get it back again I'm a new referee and want to try and get it right. That's really, I mean, that is really difficult. And um, I've been in that situation before when when things have gone quite badly wrong at the start and you you realise that, you know, your authority has kind of been undermined by a disastrous start. My my, my personal approach, and I think this, this is, I don't think there's any right or wrong answer for this, my, my no. personal approach is... Um, in my head, I tell myself that we're going to do a reset. Okay, so I, you know, but that's happened. Can't do anything about that now. Let's focus on making the next sort of eighty minutes a good game. Okay, and I'm not dwelling on it. Completely reset. I think I, I do subconsciously try and play um, a sort of a more subordinate role for a little period of time. You know, I, I don't want lower to, to make any more. Yeah, I lower my profile for a little period of time. So let's put a bit of distance between what's happened and the next time I make a big important decision. And so as a consequence of that, I, I kind of do, you know, as you say, lower my profile a bit, um, try not to make too many decisions, try and let the game play as much as possible. The difficult situations, and these are the really difficult situations, I'm not sure I have any answers for it at all, is when you do that, you do the mental reset, you tell yourself, let's just keep a low profile for a bit of time. Let's let everybody put a bit of distance in their minds from what's happened. And then there's another big decision to make that you've got to make because you can't, I'm afraid, you know, bad foul goes in. You can't just go, oh, I'm trying to keep a low profile here. So I'm not going to, I'm even not give that because then that's, that's just going to escalate. Once players think that you've lost control of the game, it's in my view, it's a complete disaster. Um, and I think in those situations, it is really tough. Um, but I think I think you've, the, the most important thing is you've got to do that mental reset because otherwise you'll spend the rest of the game, you know, thinking about it, second guessing it. You won't be making the right decisions. You've got to just get a sort of clear mindset and you know start afresh. And I know that I, I I appreciate as I say that out loud, for a lot of people that might be very difficult because not not everybody finds it easy when something goes wrong just go right okay that's done and dusted now you know let's let's start over i mean thankfully i'm lucky that i'm you know i don't have problems doing that sort of thing but it's difficult really difficult and a really good question for that very reason it's what are your a thoughts? really good question i mean there's so many different pathways you can go with it right like i think lowering your profile is always good if you've had a big decision it's a bit like running away from players when they're questioning your decisions like sometimes it's just not worth standing there and arguing just run away and they'll soon forget about it right um it also depends on how you match control how you've lost match control like are we talking about there's been a big punch up and no one's listened to you or are we talking about you know you've convinced yourself you got a decision wrong um like a penalty or something and you said no and 
you've really got it wrong or you said yes and you got it wrong and then you're just beating yourself up in your head about it the whole time and players have lost a bit of respect for you because of it and, and everyone seems to know what happened except for you. Um, it Like, defining the words match control is difficult. I think... Um, I, that, when, when I was thinking of answering that question, I was thinking on the lines of that sort of scenario whereby there's been a very big call that you've made which has caused you know a lot of upset and um you know you're not sure whether you got it right or wrong doesn't really matter because it's just been such a big incident that you've attracted a lot of attention to yourself a lot of people are then sort of focusing their energy on you that's how i kind of envisaged what he was mm. kind of saying in his scenario yeah. yeah i mean you don't obviously as a referee you can't let the ground swallow you up you have to front up to things. So, you know, like, as I always say, be honest about it. If you think you might have got it wrong, be honest about it in the right context, maybe sometimes. But if you think it's going to aggravate players even more, then don't. Um, if players keep going on about it all the time and if they keep pointing to it and keep moaning at you and keep screaming at you, um, then the only way you can get back your match control is by flashing yellows and, and like and just shutting down conversation that way. Um, it's amazing how powerful a yellow card, a well-timed yellow card can be sometimes. I had it on my game the weekend, you know, I had a player, like a player had started chirping away at my uh, assistant and I could hear in my comms, my assistant chirping back a little bit, similar to what I would do. Um, <laughs> and, and I just said to him on the comms, I was like, dude, leave it, leave it. Don't get dragged into it because if you get dragged into it, when I go to nail him, and I knew I would get him. I knew he was walking. He was a yellow card. He was a walking yellow card, right? I was like, when it comes to getting him, it's going to make it so much more difficult for him. I was like, just leave it. Just leave it. Don't get dragged in. Don't wind him up. Don't wind yourself up. I've got it. Literally, next phase of play, bang, yellow card for descent. Easy peasy. And it shut him up, like, for the whole game. But, you know, he, I think, and I think that player liked the mental battle with the referee and he tried to win it with me first and he knew he wasn't going to. So that's why he diverted onto my assistant. And I think he got a bit of juice out of it. And then that's why I stepped in and was like, no, you're done, mate. Um, and gave him a yellow. Like, it's really hard. But sometimes, like, I've had that, you know, and I say, I've said to players before, if you mention that one more time, it's a yellow card. And they're like, what? You can't do that. I'm like, yes, I can. If you say about that incident one more time, I'm just going to book you and that's it. And sometimes yeah. that shuts them up. Um, I do that sometimes with time wasting when people are moaning about the time on the clock or whatever. I'm like, it's none of your business. If you ask me again, I'll book you. And that shuts them up. Um, it is hard. What I would say internally, how I cope with those situations is you never really forget about it. Just saying, like, forget about it and move on. You never do. Like a mental reset's a good idea. Why that? What I do to myself is I, I kind of say my com my confidence always starts quite high for a game. And then a situation like that would drop my confidence a lot. So then I'm aware I've got a confidence deficit on the pitch. So now what I've got to do is I've got to rebuild my confidence. And the only way I can do that is by managing situations really well. So again, what I do is I break the game down into the next two minutes, the next 30 seconds, the next decision. And I just make sure the next decision I get right. And then slowly but surely over time, as you build the positivity of getting those next decisions correct all the time, which you can't do if all you're fixated on is the one you messed up, yeah? All you can do is deal with what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next. I mean, I think I think that's a really good idea. I mean, the idea, I mean, I, as you were talking, I was sort of thinking to myself, you know, for, for those people that maybe struggle about putting behind them a bad decision, I think to, to, to sort of say to yourself, right, for the next five minutes, I'm going to make sure my position's really good. You know, I'm going to really focus... 
Um, and you'd be surprised that by that actual process of sort of just concentrating on the sort of next segment actually helps you sort of put behind you what's happened before. I mean, I think that's a really good idea. And that's, that's um, a really good point as well. Like, just press a bit more. Just be a bit more yeah. present without upping your profile. Just make yourself, Absolutely. put yourself into positions that give you confidence so that when you make the decision, players turn and it builds their confidence with you again. Yeah, And that's all it's about. That. It's a confidence relationship. And that's a very hard thing to, to do and get right. But the only way to do it is to break it down again and is to just go bit by bit, piece, build your self-esteem again. The best way to build self-esteem, I say this to clients all the time, is to keep promises to yourself. So if you're going to promise yourself, you're going to you know, do your best on the next one, do your best on the next one. If you're going to promise yourself, you're going to move in 10 yards of the ball for the next two minutes, do that. And then your confidence yeah. will slowly build, your self-esteem will build, and suddenly what happens is the players buy into that and they forget about what happened within reason. And, and you've slowly built the game. You've almost like jigsawed the game back together again. But in due course, when we sort of get guests on here who, you know, got lots of experience refereeing, mm. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to sort of hearing about these sort of tactics people use. Because I mean, I, I you know, just silly things like you just talked about sort of the use of the cards to, to sometimes control a game. And then uh, and similarly on other occasions when a game is getting very heated and you want to try to slow things down, you know, the tactic of I do that literally all the time. Giving, giving everything, you know, yeah. e everything that, you know, it just takes the heat out, it slows everything down. And it's th those are the sorts of tips and hints you get from people that have been doing it for a long time, um, you know, and have seen the benefits of sort of certain things they've done that's worked in in, in sort of calming things down. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I think that's really good. But um Again, another it's another great question because I, you know, I, 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 when you read that question out to me again, it just makes me think back to situations where yeah. I've never been in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a game's right. got off to a terrible start, and you think, you know, there's a long way to go here. This mm -hmm. is going to be a long afternoon, um, but you know, you you, you can sort it out. It I'd, I'd also, I, but I would also like to say to that point, sometimes you can't. Sometimes it's just a tough game. Sometimes yeah. you get something wrong and you've just got 90 minutes of shit to deal with. And I don't like like I don't like being negative about the whole refereeing thing, but sometimes like you could I'd argue this isn't being negative. It's being realistic and then I'd say actually but when you get through a game like that, you're so much more experienced. You almost learn so much more from it. And and then you can take that forward and you can analyze and think about how do I get ahead of it next time? How, what might I change? How do I deal with it a little bit better? If I come across those teams again, which might be likely, how am I going to approach it differently? What am I going to do? And, and, and all of that experience really pulls you right the way through and makes you so much more well-rounded. The difficulty yeah. I think we have sometimes is people can be experienced to that really early on in their career and it just completely flaws them. And they don't get to see the other side of that struggle. But the other, the other side of that struggle can be really useful, can be really worthwhile. And sometimes it is worth going through, horrible though it is. Yeah, it's worth going through for, for two reasons. One is I think you've got to remember it's it's all a learning curve, right? Referees are always learning. No matter how experienced you are, you're always trying to improve, gaining from experience so that you're better on the next occasion. That, that's the one thing. The second thing is, you know, every game is not going to be great. You know, every day at work isn't great. You know, you every have some bad days sucks. at work yeah. where sometimes, you know, no matter how hard you tried, things have not worked out. You know, you know, there'll be some days when you leave work, and you're like, I'm not feeling too great. It's not been a good day. All right. But the reality is, you know, that that is life. 
um, and you keep going. And then you'll have other days where you come off the pitch and think to yourself, you know what? Did a really good job there. You know, I kept that match running really well. I managed it well. It was a good game of football and I facilitated that. And that's a good day. And those days far outweigh the, the sort of the bad days where, you know, things haven't gone as smooth as you'd like them to have done. So you've just got to persevere a bit. Don't don't get negative about bad experience. We've all had them. Um, and they'll Ed, come again. Ed, you should become a coach, mate. Um, I I would have liked to have been. You know, I would have been a job I really quite liked. I'm an actor. You've always when said I was, to me you wanted to be an actor. No, I did want to be. I did want to be an actor. There's no doubt about that at all. But uh, when I was playing, um, quite. I mean, you know, you'll no doubt mock me, but when I was playing quite a high level croquet. of table tennis, high, high level croquet. Person, oh, it wasn't croquet. <laughs> um, and table I, tennis. I, do you know Matthew Said? I do know Matthew Said. Do you actually? I, I was a county champion as a as a seventeen year old. If, for those and, who don't know, Matthew Saeed used to do a really good podcast on Radio Five Live with Andrew Flintoff and Robbie Savage. Um, and no, he's, he's written he, a few books. Bounce, books. bounce, one of them. And bounce, it's all about human thinking, resilience and how you re, re, how you develop books. a sporting mindset. Fifteen thousand hours a day to get good at something, whatever it is. Great, great books. You want yeah. to learn about things like you know they're, they're great um, for referees. And um, I, I think I, I was really into sports psychology. Really was in sport, and I and I think I'd have made either a good sports psychologist or a good counsellor. Yeah. I think would have been my two of the roles. You know, I think um, I think I'd like to become a counsellor. Yeah, no, I, I, it's a tough old process though because mm. I know friends that are counsellors, and you have to go through you have to go through counselling yourself to yes. become a counsellor, yes. which isn't a particularly easy process for anybody without any issues. But, um, but I think, yeah, anyway. Yeah. I mean, a lot of what I do in the gym with people is counselling, I think, really. Yeah. And many people say to me, you've been, you're more like my therapist than personal trainer. So I think it'd be a good natural progression. Um, I'd quite like to. Maybe I'll, I'll call myself... Podcast. Yes, maybe. Maybe I'll call myself the conversation starter. <laughs> um, we'll see where that goes. But yeah. Mindfulness think... with Adam and Ed. Oh, golly. Could you imagine? Sports psychology <laughs> meets uh, meets calm, dulcet tones in an English accent. <laughs> God, we have enough um, trouble scheduling this one, let alone others. No, I know, crikey. Um, and so anyway, as people probably realise now, we're not we're not going to do a law this this week because uh, first of all, we've been away for so long, and secondly, that we're going to a deep dive next it's because we're into law. we're into the meat and drink of the laws football. of football with with fouls and misconduct and free kicks, and it's it's going to be it's going to be big. It mm. does get dense. We so might need to just strip, uh, strip the episodes down to law only. Um, yeah, or or the other options which we've talked about is maybe sort of splitting the law in two so that we mm. can keep up the format and, and yeah, not maybe. perhaps do Destroy all the whole But we thought this would be an, a, a nice light-hearted episode just to remind people we're still here, give people their fix for those that need it, the desperate people that need our fix of our um, wisdom. Um, any other post-bag matters? Oh, no, I think that, I think we're done. I think it's okay. Because there's fact we're not going into law. We've done plenty. And, you know, yeah. well, I don't like to, I like to keep some up our sleeve. In other news, we've had 2,738 total plays. Yeah, that's that very cool. Isn't that yeah, awesome? I'm very pleased about that. I'm yeah. very pleased about that too. Um, well, I'm not going to give you a full fun facts um, series this week, but I thought... Wait, I'd wait, prepared... wait, wait, wait. I, I know, Shush, shut up. Cue jingle. It's now time for Ed's. Fun facts. There we go. 
if you'd have let me finish. Oh, <laughs> I'm putting it in. I, I, I was going to say, um, obviously, the fun facts I had prepared for this week were all relevant to the next law, which is all about um, fouls and misconduct and yellow, red and yellow cards. So I'm going to save all those for the next case, but I'm going to just give you a couple of teasers to uh remind you and now you, you'd forgotten hadn't you about how the 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 referee came up with the yellow card system i, I told you that in an earlier podcast don't remember that um how the referee came up with the red and yellow card what red and yellow yeah. system you said it on this episode and you said he you know so traffic t- lights. I, yeah that, i told you that way back when we were talking no, about didn't. the no, uh, yeah no you don't I even I even name checked him when we did it much earlier on. Is it our you, friend um, who's basically built the whole aspect of who's basically yeah, you, made refereeing? Yeah, do you remember that chap? You see, you do remember. I remember so him. That, I don't remember his name, but I remember he one came guy up who's with, responsible for us wearing black and using flags. And up, his name was Mr. Aston, and Aston. he came up with was his surname Martin. No, that was his surname. Um, but he came <laughs> up with all these things, including he's the person responsible for the use of yellow and red cards. Fair enough. And it it was all about, he said, as he was driving down Kensington High Street one day, mm. and he was looking at traffic lights thinking, well, that makes kind of sense. You know, it's um, yellow, take it easy, red, and stop, you're off. And so Mr. Aston, who was a teacher and a referee, um, said that, you know, it's really important that when we give out sanctions, because there have been sanctions before then, but there'd be no way of communicated them to the wider watching public. So if you gave a sanction to a player on the pitch, no one else knew. The fans wouldn't know. The manager wouldn't know. You know, so he thought to himself, well, which is a, this, how can we do about that? And so he, um, I mean, it's quite remarkable, this guy, because he he brought about so much change in the game, but he approached FIFA. I mean, he was a top-level referee. This is not some sort of park referee who suddenly right, right. turned up at FIFA's door and said, I've got some great ideas. Knocked on the door in um, Switzerland and was like, well, yeah, yeah. But he said, I've got this really good idea about using yellow and red cards. And this is quite this is a kind of important story for our podcast, right? Like this yeah. this basically is the genesis of this podcast. So we should listen yeah, carefully. Exactly. And yeah. so he he approached FIFA and said, I've got this idea. And FIFA said, Okay, we'll we'll give it a go. And um you you I know you like this bit where I say to you, when were they first trialed, Adam? And you usually say, Well, it'll have been around After the World, World Cup. or European Cup. Yeah, it would have been. And so so, when so was the, which, oh, which one? Mr. Aston. I don't know when he was born. Uh, I'm going to go for the 19... Am I right so far? Well, he was driving a car down Kensington High Street. So right, if it okay. was like 1864, so then it would be When was Kensington High Street built? I'm joking. <laughs> uh, oh, mm, I reckon it was pre-war. Was it pre-World War II? No. Okay, post-World War II. The 1956 World Cup. Was there a World Cup in 56? No, I don't... Well, yeah, there would have been... 50, no, there wouldn't have been 66, 62, 58 oh, yeah. would have been the World okay, Cup. Okay, that one, 58. No, it was actually um, 1970 World Cup. What? Do you remember Red that or was? yellow cards? Didn't Red or yellow cards? Can you believe this? 1970 World Cup. Where was it? Spain? No, it was in Mexico. But oh, isn't that I was weird? Say Mexico. When you think of refereeing, 
Okay. If you're playing Family Fortunes and you sort of said, name something associated with a referee, right? Red or yellow pod. I mean, sorry, red red or yellow cards. (laughs) (laughs) Well, obviously the podcast would go first. Um, But yeah, it'd be red red or cards. And we've grown up with them. I mean, you know, this is obviously pre when I was born, Adam. 1970, you sure? And um, yeah, so 1970s when they were trialled. And... I mean, obviously, there've been sanctions before then. I'll talk about this, you know, at the next podcast. But there've been sanctions before then. But it's the first time that there's been visible, you know, representation of what had happened on the pitch. And they were rolled out to the European leagues in the following seasons. Right. When did they come in to the top-flight English league? Well, it would have been around the European or World Cup. <laughs> No, because we're talking about the English leagues now. All right, I mean, they've, they've, 1970. They've, they've tried... Let's go 1974. I bet it took four years. Uh, it took actually it took longer. 1976. No way, I was close. But yeah, no way, six, really? Six yeah, years. Six years until. Wow. Um, and it will come as no surprise to you that they weren't very popular when they were first um, rolled out into the English game. Surprise. Neither um, was this podcast. <laughs> and there was. Um, What's quite interesting is there were there were two red cards shown on the first day that they came in, and there was a quite a lot of confusion over um what they were being uh used for. But um anyway, they they came in then. And um what was it what I was gonna to say to you? What's the last thing I was it when IFAB put them into the laws? Yeah, I was gonna tell you about when IFAB, but but what I actually did want to tell you about is what was slightly more interesting is that having been introduced into the uh, English league, um, part the, the the FA decided, right, after a while, that they weren't very happy with the use of red cards. And so can you believe that in 1981, the FA decided to get rid of red cards? Really? Did you know that? No, clearly not. The FA decided that they were going to get rid of red cards. And and yeah, um, I see another chapter for Ed's book about the history of football. I know, exactly. Yeah. This is this it's, book it is, is really interesting. It is really interesting. Um and what was so and just to finish off this, this is the end of my fun facts this week, because there's loads more for next time. But um so they decided to get rid of them in 1981 in the hope that it would calm down the reaction of supporters in the stands, because apparently it was the, the fans who were getting agitated by these red cards being dished out. Right. Right? So they thought they got rid of that. Did the they introduce did they introduce a white or green card? No. Okay. Unsurprised they didn't, because there was some common sense prevailing back in the 80s. And then I don't um, know about that. I've seen I've seen Queen live at Live Aid. I'm not sure common sense existed in the 80s. 1987. I was born in 87. Well, it was a big year because IFAB yep. told the FA sort it out and put them back. Good and so them. they came back into um, English FA football. It's mad, isn't it? When so they the, were reintroduced the Premier, for the 87-88 season. And then the Premier League was started in, what, 92, was it? 91, 92? Oh, God, I can never remember. It's yeah. a long time ago now. But... So, so anyway, there we go. That's the limited that's very fun interesting. fact. Ken Aston. Don't forget his name again, Adam. He's a Important man when it comes to the history of football. Ken Aston. And the laws of football. He is. Yeah. There we go. What do you do about Ken? Exactly. Right. Well, I suppose we better call it a night. Yeah, exactly. I've got a Valentine waiting for me at home. Are you doing anything out for dinner? No. I'm, oh. I've got to be up at 4am, so I'll be straight to bed. Oh. 
It's yeah. nice for her. <laughs> Lucky lady. Um, <laughs> well, you not, know, not in that re- not in that respect. I mean, we, lucky we, lady that you're. We, we've had a lot. You know. of, we've had a lot of. Uh, yeah, so we're trying to buy a house at the moment. So there's a lot of kind. You know, so just cutting out dinners out and stuff is always good at a time like this in your life, isn't it? So very sensible. Dealing with that, trying to be. I'm not, I'm not known for sensibility. So yes. Or sensitivities, perhaps, is what you're talking about. Whatever. It's been a long day, Edward. Right. Well, my day's end is starting, although my dog is Ed, sleeping. I hope you have the most marvellous time swimming in the Caribbean Sea. Yes, thank you very much. We'll do. And we'll do another podcast when I get back. And it was lovely. Time. It's lovely to catch up with you too. Nice to see you too. All right. Have a good I'll see day. see you soon, my friend. Get yeah. better. Ciao. Bye. Au revoir. Thank you for making it to the end of another episode of Red or Yellow. You're clearly a very fit listener. May I gently remind you to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Tell all your friends. And don't forget to please share it with any colleagues or refereeing groups that you may have. Good luck on the fields out there this week. And if you have any questions, please send them in to us. Voice notes can be sent to redoryellowpod at gmail.com or you can contact us on social media. It's at redoryellowpod. Have the most wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening. Ciao, ciao.